Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. There's something about messages put to movement that's just... uh, it's just wonderful and engages us in a whole new way. So thank you, God, for that. <clears throat> hey, how, how are you guys doing this morning? Doing all right? Great. Hey, um, before I hop into uh, my 15-minute message, <laughs> um, I got just a couple things. First of all, um, a couple good news stories. Is that, is that all right with you guys? Okay. Uh, last week, we started um, Blessing Boxes. When you came in this morning... Uh, you saw uh, the whole Blessing Box display. And if you uh, aren't familiar with that, basically it's this time of year where we're able to distribute these white boxes and there's a list of things that we can put in these boxes. And a team is actually going to Mexico over Christmas time and delivering these boxes to children and orphans and uh, even uh, some uh, some Native Americans down there, the Tarahumara tribe. And uh, some of them, this is going to be the most they receive all year. It'll be the, the greatest gift they have all year. And so there's a list of things you can do. In fact, if you grab a box, you can take it to the bookstore. Um, and there's uh, Spanish Bibles you can get. I think there's other gifts that you can get in the, the Vine Life bookstore uh, to fill up with your box. And then we, you can start returning those next week. But the cool thing is we've been doing this for a few years. Uh, last week, out of all the years, uh, last week we handed out more boxes than we did on the first Sunday and every, any other year that we've done this particular blessing box thing. So, so yeah, so applause for that. But uh, with that said, we have about 145 boxes left. That's the number I heard. And so can we just make sure those all disappear today? Can we, can we just make a commitment? Some of you have already taken a box. Maybe you've taken a couple of them. Let's just knock those out, right? I mean, this is just an awesome opportunity in such a tangible way to bless the little ones that God cares about. Does that sound like a plan to anybody here? All right, sweet. That was very unconvincing. I'll, I'm going to go with it anyways for the sake of time. Uh, another cool thing, I just want you to know about this because certain things happen around the community. We don't really get an opportunity to give... Um, uh, give word about different things that are going on. Uh, but it's cool when we get to highlight what certain individuals are doing, all right? And now, this is just one story I know. I'm sure there's tons of other stories going on. But I was so excited about this story. I haven't been able to share it the last couple of weeks. But uh, one of our Vine Lifers, Scott Tibbetts, I don't know if you're here, Scott, but Scott Tibbetts, um, he, uh, several weeks ago, I, I got this link on Facebook uh, that he was featured in the New York Times and I think more recently the, the London Times because he invented uh, this little box that you see him on the screen right here, this little black box that uh, fits into your car and actually what it does is it disables you from being able to uh, receive or send text messages while you're driving. And what, what it actually does is it, it's smart enough to know what you actually need to be able to do while you're driving so you can still use your phone, but has the ability to work with um, uh, some of the network carriers to actually uh, disable the ability to send text messages. And that's incredibly good news because if you know the statistics about what happens during texting and driving, it's actually much worse than many other things. Oh, look at this. Hey, it's a newspaper article. I didn't even know this was going to happen. This is great. There he is. New York Times. Scott Tibbetts right here. Um, you know, and it, we, we've kind of been in this conversation about being people that, that are carriers of the goodness of God. We believe that if his presence is our good, if the presence of God is our only good, then that means that shouldn't that mean our presence is the world's good? 
right? And so the things that God has given you, he has planted you specifically with experiences and knowledge that nobody else has. In Scott's instance, it was how to develop a little black box that fits in cards and stops text messaging, which will save many lives, all right? So can we just thank God that he just gives us the creativity to do that? So good. And if you have stories of things that you're doing that God's given you, we just want to continue to, to fan the flame there. Also, a couple weeks ago, uh, we did the supper in the park um, on the third, third Saturday of every month. The Divine Life joins Benny and Nikki down the supper in the park. Uh, 130 of our friends on the streets were fed, fed a meal on that, that evening. That's, I mean, let's just not let that go by. Make sure. And I love this photo. Because uh, here you see little Chloe and Audrey Capel, and they were on cupcake duty uh, during this dinner, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't let anybody have a cupcake, a cupcake unless they handed it to them themselves. And so they're literally policing these homeless guys around, giving them cupcakes. It was great. Uh, this is a great opportunity to bring your kids to, um, to uh, just, you know, God has so much love for, for the people that he puts around us, and he gives us these opportunities to bless in so many tangible ways. Um, so that's awesome. Hey, if you're new with us here today, I, I don't know if we said it already, but we're just so stoked that you would spend your morning with us in this place. If you've been around for a while, we're equally, equally as stoked about that, all right? Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. We see this as a home. This is a family room. And I officially have 12 minutes to talk, okay? Okay, you guys believe in me. So... But it's okay. It's, it, it's very, I'm hoping that I can keep this very succinct um, because I believe that it's already kind of been going out this morning, this word, okay? And I, I believe this is something that God is wanting to um, not let us move on from too quickly. Last week, if you were here, um, we, I shared a word and it had to do with our attention and kind of the, the text that we were in in the scripture. We were talking about how David, when he became king, he brought the ark back to Jerusalem. And he, what he wanted to do is take the presence of God and bring it back into the center of the city. So every morning they woke up and they would see, like, this is, this is who we are. This is why we live. This is why we breathe. And he brought the ark of God back into the center of the state, center of the country, center of the city. And the first thing he did was... He appointed this tribe, they're called the Levites. If you've never heard of the Levites, it's this group of people. And they were appointed simply just to serve the Lord and to minister to God. And in this particular passage, their full-time job was to attend the presence of God. And when you start looking at the job that they were given to do, their actual job, what they were fulfilling, was they were ones that were set aside to reserve their attention primarily for the presence of God. And for the sake of a few different things, it says they began to minister to God, uh, to invoke, David appointed them, it says, to invoke, to thank, and then what's the third one? To praise. To invoke and to thank and to praise. The word invoke is to remember, to thank and to praise. And so they were ones who were called to use their attention, their budget of attention on God for the purposes of remembering him, Thanking him and praising him. You guys, were you guys, anybody here last week? Okay. And then um, just this whole idea, we all, all you know, a, a lot of times talk about this attention deficit we have in our country. And it's very true that the reality is we have a budget of attention. And when we look at 
the, the way that we can get distracted, it really is a scheme of the enemy because when we're able to put our attention on God for the purposes of remembering, thinking, and praising, it rearranges things in our own life. And it, that's the pathway to breakthrough in our own life, to knowing more of the glory of God in our own living. Okay, And so we put out this challenge last week. Anybody set their alarm for 3.33 this last week? A few of us. I don't know about you. Um, we put out this challenge last week. Set this alarm so every day at 3.33 p.m., um, we, would, we would set an alarm, and basically it was for this very purpose. And when this alarm goes off, no matter what we're doing, if you're able to, to just kind of step aside from, from what it is, and I'm going to use this moment to take my attention for whatever it has been on, I'm going to redirect it. As, as these guys were ones whose full-time job was to keep their attention on God, this is just a simple way for us to take a moment of our day to do this together, to redirect our attention to God, to remember, to thank, and to praise. Did anybody just feel a lift in their spirit while you're doing that this week? It was, it was just really wonderful. I'd encourage you to continue to do that. But this, but this morning, very quickly though, I do think there's something, there's another layer to this whole idea of being a, a people of thanksgiving and a people of praise in this too. And I'm going to talk quickly and I'm going to trust that the Lord just kind of drops this in. And so uh, I'm going to go. In this particular passage, David appoints the Levites to remember to thank and to praise. And after that, we read that they, they usher in the presence of God with this beautiful song that they write. And they all join in on this song. And after they sing this song, it says, all the people said amen. Everybody in the room, every, there was something inside where everybody said amen to this. Let it be so. The word amen means let it be so. Now, when you look at songs and scriptures, across the scripture, there's about 185 songs in scripture, okay? Now, obviously, in the book of Psalms that we know, that's about 150 of them. And so there's like roughly another 35 to 40, and this is not including poems and short prayers and kind of really beautiful poetic moments. This is simply songs that erupt from the people of God. And if you really notice and you start looking at where these songs show up in Scripture, it's a lot, it's during a lot of very defining moments for the people of God. And you'll notice that songs erupt either following uh, an act of God or preceding an act of God, Okay. So defining moments, either following an act of God or preceding an act of God. And we talked a little bit about this last week. There is a difference when you read through the scripture and you read about these words, the sacrifice of thanksgiving and a sacrifice of praise. Listen, there is a difference between thanksgiving and there's a difference between thanksgiving and praise. Thanksgiving is our ability to identify the work of God in our lives and to see his power manifest and to acknowledge that and be filled with gratitude and from that place to bring a whole full body response offering, song and dance or whatever comes along with that. That is our gift of thanksgiving to God. Our gift of praise to God though is our ability to bring a response to God for reasons yet undiscovered. The gift of praise and the sacrifice of praise is the ability to choose a response for reasons that we have yet to discover about the beauty and majesty and the power of God in our lives. There's things that we don't know yet that we have the ability to choose a gift of praise. And so you see over and over in Scripture, the people of God in certain circumstances will erupt in thanksgiving because God just did this. In other other circumstances, though, 
they choose the response of praise that would precede what he would do after, okay? And these are very important things. The song of God in your life is a very important thing. Just a couple of scriptures here. In Exodus 15, we see this, we see a, a song of thanksgiving. Jesus, or, 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 or God sends Moses to Egypt. He liberates them. Um, they, you, we see defining moments all across scripture, okay? So you'll see songs uh, regarding, uh, uh, come out in battle scenes and funerals and coronations and the splitting of seas, you know, all the normal stuff, right? And this is the splitting of seas part. So the people of God, they come across the Red Sea, waters part, and they just walk across on dry land, and then, you know, he, he holds his rod back up, and it works, right? And then the seas come back down and just destroy all the Egyptians. And then the next thing they do, the very next thing they do, and this is what makes sense to them in the moment, he, Moses begins to sing over the people. He begins to sing a song of thanksgiving in Exodus 15. It says this, Then Moses and the people of Israel sang the song of the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. And I'm just going to skip. It's a very long song, all right? This would be really difficult to sing in church if we ever tried that. So I'm just going to skip forward to Exodus 15, verse 19. Uh, it says this, for when, for when the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the people of Israel walked in dry ground in the midst of the sea. Okay, so his song has ended. And then a whole other expression of worship just is about to take place. In verse 20, it says, Then Miriam and the prophetess, the sister of, uh, Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand. And all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The, the horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. And so it's just a really beautiful picture. Moses comes out after like, how can you not sing after that, right? He comes out and just busts out this new song, just starts declaring the praises of God. And then Miriam's like, let me give this a shot, right? She gets all her girls, they bust a serious move, right, on the banks of the Red Sea. They bust out the tambourines. We haven't seen those in church for a while. I think they needed some breathing room, though, so let's just wait a bit on that. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. People clapping for that. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) But they're like, we don't even care. And you can just see the women of God joining together. They're calling each other out from the crowd. Let's sing and let's dance this dance of thanksgiving. And it's powerful. Because it's a song now that's incorporated into their history. And there's all kinds of songs of thanksgiving. As they would go into the promised land, Moses would sing another song as before they crossed the Jordan River. And so there's songs of thanksgiving where, where God moves on our behalf miraculously and there's something erupts inside of us and says, man... I've got, I, I've got to, to write this song. I've got to express my love and my worship to God for that. But then there's the songs of praise. And here's one example of that. When Solomon, his, David's son Solomon, when he was building the real temple, like it's moving from, the presence of God is moving from a tent to an actual building. Solomon is building this temple. In Second Chronicles 5.13, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's appointing all the musicians, you know, and the Levites to play before the Lord. And it says this, And it was the duty of the trumpeters and the singers to make themselves heard 
in unison in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. Now that sentence right there is jam-packed. That'll preach right there. It was the duty of the trumpeters and singers to make themselves heard in unison in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And when the song was raised, remember, nothing has happened yet. When the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals and other musical instruments in praise to the Lord, they said, for he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. It says, the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. Okay? And then later on, we see them as they continue that song, fire from heaven, heaven like literally comes in and just burns up everything that they laid before him. And it was a pretty sweet worship service, all right? I mean, pretty top of the charts when it comes to a gathering of people. But what I love about this, there's a decision in their hearts regardless of how God was going to respond. And they said, you know what? There's this thing. We're going to sing about his love and his loving kindness, and we're going to determine this in our hearts. And God, whatever you want to do on our behalf because of that, that's your, that's, that's your, the ball's in your court. But I've decided in my heart that I trust who you will be for us. I think Thanksgiving has a lot to do with acknowledging the work of God in our past, and praise has to do with acknowledging the work of God in our future. And here's why this is important. All throughout Scripture, the people are marked and defined by these songs that they're carrying with them. It's like, I think, how they even told their stories about what the God had done for them and what they expected God would do. And a couple of months ago, I remember having a conversation with the Lord where he asked me just a simple question. He said, he said hey, what is the song of your heart right now? I was like, what? He said, what is the song of your heart? And I, I felt like what he meant by that was this. If you weren't able to borrow everybody else's songs right now and borrow everybody else's prayers, what would be the things that are erupting in your heart? What is your spirit singing to me right now? What do you remember about me and what are you looking forward to? Like, I love the fact that we can come in here, like this morning, Aaron, you know, like a lot of those were Aaron's songs, Aaron's Trumple songs this morning, weren't those incredible? Like, I, I love, and, and I think, you know, God, there are people that are set aside to write songs and to be minstrels before God and psalmists and musicians and to make music and to, to hold that place, even on behalf of the church, to give us a launching pad to go off of into praise and thanksgiving. But I felt like what the Lord was asking was, yeah, you can borrow people's songs, but if you didn't have access to that, if you had nobody else's song to sing, what song would you, would you be singing to me? And can you identify that in your life? Because the thing is, the, song, the songs of thanksgiving have everything to do with how connected we are with our own history with God. And our songs of praise has everything to do with what we're anticipating in the places of hope that we're actually living in. And I really believe, listen to me, do not miss this, I believe that the reason why a lot of us have a hard time connecting with the song and the sound of our life is because the enemy likes to diminish that so that we will not stay rooted in the works of past and we will not look forward to the, 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 what's coming in the future. He loves to, to keep us from the very expression and the sound and the articulation of our heart so that we'll be confused and we won't know where we're at in our history. And I believe what he's doing is he's bringing us back into identifying the songs of our hearts. Now, you're in this room, some of you in this room, like, oh, that's great, man. There's no way I'm singing. I'm not going to be a song. Like, I'm an electrician, right? Like, there's no way I'm going to start doing that. But listen to me. This has everything to do with knowing what God has done and knowing what he's going to do 
and you staying connected to what your spirit wants to sing to him in each moment, okay? Now, here's, here's why this matters. Um, let me just move forward here. The songs of praise are about staying rooted. The songs of thanksgiving are about staying rooted. The songs of praise, though, are songs that are given to you to sing in the face of the challenges in the mountains that are before you. They're given to you to give to God, but they're also given to you for you. And, and, and this is something we have to understand about thanksgiving and praise, that it's not just our gift to God. That's not what's happening when we're, thanks, when we're giving thanks and praise, when we're bringing something to God. That's not just for God. Joke's on us, because it turns out it's a lot about what's in it for us. And here's what I mean by that. God designed us in a way where we worship with our whole being, right? He designed us in a way, um, we are a whole person, and nothing we do is disconnected from each other. Our thoughts inform our emotions, our emotions inform our actions, our actions inform both of those. And there's a way that we all kind of work together. So when we see the people of God singing songs and raising songs of thanksgiving, raising songs of praise, it wasn't just songs. Many of the times they're accompanied by dance and the movement of feet to let the earth know what just happened, right? They're accompanied by full body response, by clapping of hands, by raising our hands in the air. But listen to me, when we lift our voices, when we shout to God in a moment of thanksgiving and it start, the volume starts to go up a little bit, that's not just because God can't hear it. It's not, for, it's not because God can't hear us, it's maybe because you need to hear you. A shout of thanksgiving isn't just for God to hear you. Listen, it's for you to hear you. You're the one who needs to be convinced of what he's done. When we lift our hands in the air, it's not because, ah, oh, I guess he just wants me to do that. If I do this, he's a, it's a, it makes it a little easier for him to reach me, right? That's not why. Because in that posture, what happens in this posture is saying, God, I am not in control of my life. You're the one who's in control. You're the one who has me. I am yours forevermore. All of my problems, all these things that I've held, I now give to you in praise and thanksgiving. God, my body, my whole being responds to you, who you are. It's not just my words. It's my life. It's my body. It's everything inside of me. And that's why the, the women of God, when they were sacrificing or bringing a song of thanksgiving, they said, listen, you're going to sing this out, but we just need to dance this out, right? Like, we just need, we just, you need just give us a moment over here. We're going to do our thing, but we got to dance this out because there's something inside of me that has to demonstrate the thanksgiving of God. But listen, when we do those things, it's not just for God. There's something that happens to us because when your feet move to dancing, when your arms shoot up in the air, when you are clapping, when you're shouting, you're informing your soul and your spirit of what has been true for all of time. You're just making an announcement to all creation including yourself. And when we, even in a time of bringing a word, and a lot of times we joke, you know, when there's not much response in the room, and usually, you know, when you ch- check around with people, like, was anybody here today? You know, that type of thing. You know, you have a few people in the room, oh, we were just, we were just absorbing, right? It was just, just settling in. And I get that, because I'm an absorber too. Right? I like being in an environment and just kind of letting it sink in. But listen to me. There are times when, when God speaks to you, something inside of you needs to vocalize the words, Amen. 
Because something inside of you needs to agree with the work of God that he's trying to get inside of you. Now, I'm not saying you need to go overboard with it. All I'm saying is when God speaks to your heart, don't just internalize it. That is not a biblical idea. You are called to enter into it, even with your voice and even with your body. And sometimes you're going to be in your car and God's going to speak something to you. In obedience, you are called to, in a holistic way, to respond, God, amen to that, that you just spoke to my heart. I believe it. Let it be so. And you're informing yourself. When we ask you to, when we encourage you to respond, it's not so I feel good. It's so you feel good. It's so you know that you are convinced of the work that he is wanting to deposit into your life in any given moment. Are you guys with me here in this place today? The thing is, we get this in a lot of other ways, right? I mean, worship and full body response, like this makes sense in so many other spheres of life. And some of us are still kind of on the edge when it comes to church. Anybody? Okay, like any, like anybody been to an epic concert before? Like where, you know, Red Rocks, any, like I, any, has anybody been to a U2 concert before? <laughs> anybody not a fan of U2 in the room? Okay, you're, you're dismissed. You can go. But I remember in this, this scenario, it's not a worship service, but there's something in that environment where people weren't told to, but something inside of them just threw their, their hands up in the air. And the whole arena is singing and just shouting and just this whole thing is going on. I'm looking around. Everyone's kind of doing this. I'm like, they're like worshiping God and they don't even know it, right? It's the weirdest thing, you know, like Bono's singing Yahweh and everyone's like, yeah, Yahweh, you know. I'm just like, you guys were all duped into worship, right? And they didn't even know. It just made sense, right? It just made sense. And obviously, you know, we are in the season where we make foolish whole body responses as it relates to sports, right? Like there's a game coming on in a couple hours and some of you are watching, you know, watching the clock here. There's, can I get lunch and get home for the game, right? Um, you know, college football, I mean, there's a lot of people that are watching, you know, Saturday is college football, right? And it's just an amazing idea, you know, that we, we, we build our schedules of those days around watching 18-year-old boys play catch with a ball in a grassy field, Right? And we are going to roll out the cheerleaders and the dancers, and we're going to be like painting our bodies and just like this whole thing. And you, know, you go to the game like, yeah, this is natural. This is good, right? Like nobody, nobody at that game is like, why are there dancers over there, right? Like why is he shouting? And listen, I'm not saying, so, some preachers down on sports for that reason, that's not what I'm saying. I think, this is my opinion, I think when we give ourselves even to a game like that, it's because in that context, we know what it takes for victory within that game. And we can give ourselves to it because when we see somebody catch a pass and we know that they're one step closer to victory, it's, it, you feel somewhat okay yelling at your TV, yeah, right? Or if they don't catch the pass, no. Because you know what that means in the context of the game, in the context of winning and losing. I believe that there's scenarios in our lives that are actually microcosms of how we're supposed to live eternally, okay? You can, we can be excited about a game because we know what the context for winning and losing is. I believe that the songs of God in our life, and when we connect to the songs of thanksgiving and the songs of praise, what it does is it roots us into the victory of Christ in times past and times future. And for some of us to have a hard time just kind of getting into it, 
It's because God wants to remind us of his faithfulness. And he wants to give us hope for a new day. And listen to me, the enemy will constantly work to bury your sound. Some of you are dancers that haven't danced in a long time. Listen to me. It's how he wired you. You think there's a reason that feels like it's underground right now and you haven't connected that? Some of you are painters. That, you know, it's hard for you to get back into that because something has, was, was lost in that time. Some of you are even singers and musicians, some of those things. Some of you, maybe you're not any of the arts, but there's something instead of used to, when you got with God, you used to just let it loose and you would read the word and you would just cry before him and laugh before him and just be with God. And there was those times, and listen, the enemy will work to separate you from what you were made to do and the sound of God in your life. And I just want to say right now, that God wants to reconnect you with that. He is determined to bring you breakthrough so that you are connected with the song of God in your life, however that is expressed, for his glory, but for your good and for the good of the people here. There's something that happens when the sound of God is released. And I'm telling you, when we can continue to access this place of thanksgiving and praise and live in this place, and not be taken from this place and use our attention to focus on this place. I'm telling you, new days are coming. And I know that kind of seems really simple. I'm telling you, though, this is the word of God for you today. This is the word of God for us today. You were made to live in this place of gratitude. You were made to live in a place of hopeful expectation, and it was made to erupt from your inmost being. And I I do believe that God wants to bring freedom back to enjoy him in new ways and delight in him in new ways. And he wants to free us from a sense of foolishness. When we're connected the people who are connected to victory become the fanatics. <laughs> Fanaticism is only, it's related to victory and to our connection and our knowing of that victory. So some of, what is it about your thinking that you've been disconnected from your victory? Because that's what God is wanting to restore. Let's stand up together. Yeah, I could. I'm kind of hungry, though, so let's just... Uh... No, this is good. I think it's... Is, it, is this landing for anybody here? Okay. Then I'm done with you. <laughs> uh, let's just put our hands out this, this morning. Uh, better yet, let's do this. Um, put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you. If that's okay, that might be weird for you. It's just, just, just get used to it. That's what we do. <clears throat> and I just want you to begin to release the freedom to live in a place of thanksgiving and a place of praise, to know the work, to be reminded of the works of God in the past and to be look forward to all that God has in store for the future. And I'm just going to pray with you. Father God, I thank you. 
I thank you, Lord God, for the journey that we are on together, both individually and corporately, Lord God. And I pray right now that you would free up our thinking when it comes to everything that you have done to provide, to be faithful, to show your goodness, to keep us safe, to let us be a blessing on this earth, Lord God. I thank you bring to mind every single detail, Lord God, of every day and everything we have to be thankful for, Lord Jesus, that we would never forget, that we would always remember how good, how amazing you are, Lord God, and how you've always always have been there, Lord God. And I just pray that this thing of thanksgiving changes the atmosphere with which we live, Lord God. A new song of thanksgiving would erupt from the inside. And God, I, I pray for those in this place, Lord Jesus, that are looking at mountains and are looking at challenges and are looking at impossibilities, Lord God. I thank you that you have given them a song of praise to sing to those challenges, Lord God, a gift to sing back to those things and say, no, 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 my God is faithful. My God is strong. My God is victorious. He already won, and I will stay in that victory in the name of Jesus. I will announce and proclaim and acknowledge the goodness of God, even when it doesn't make sense. Even if I don't have a reason to, I choose to in the name of Jesus. I give, I pray for strength for every person to decide to live in a place of praise. That when we come into this praise, there is no such thing as foolishness when we exalt your name. There is no such thing as, as shame when we, when we start moving and dancing again and raise our voice a little louder than last time and get our arms a little more stretched than last time. Lord God, we pray for songs of victory and songs of praise and a new eruption of everything you're doing in this place, Lord God. We love you, Jesus. We love you in this place. Come on, somebody tell, just tell the Lord you love him. <laughs> Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Father, God, I just thank you that we're here because of you, the gospel of Jesus Christ, God, that we were not good enough, we were not smart enough, we were not clean enough, we were not righteousness enough, righteous enough, we were not pure enough, Lord God, to make our way into your presence, God. But through your body and your blood and your resurrection, you made that way, Lord God. I thank you for what you've given to us. I thank you for who we are in you, Jesus. I thank you that that is the message we proclaim, God. We love you, God. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right.